My name is David Clayton. I am uh, the facilities manager here, and, uh, and I'll introduce you to my family. I have a picture of them up there, and there they are. There's my family. That's my lovely wife, Jen, and my two kids, Zach and Emma. Um, we are, we, uh, it's been a long road to be here. Uh, we started a while, I started a while back uh, as on staff here, but uh, uh, before that, I was a senior pastor for six years in Illinois, and uh, so I'm not just I'm not just a janitor, folks. <laughs> I, I I do all sorts of stuff, but uh, but I I help serve and uh, the facilities manager. But uh, today, Pastor Otis has allowed me to crawl into his pool pit, and uh, I just I thank him for that because I understand what that means, and I don't take this lightly, and. Uh, I appreciate the opportunity to stand before you guys and to, and to share the Word of God. So uh, we're, uh, we're blessed to be here. And like I said, it's a long story. I won't get into how we ended up here. Just know the Lord is directing our paths. And uh, here we are. Uh, so, uh, <clears throat> but my family, my kids were like, we, they, they decided to stay at another service because they're like, we want to hear you speak. I was like, wow, that's nice. Touch, touch the old man's heart. <laughs> So we're glad uh, that everyone's here. Are you ready to get in the Word of God this morning? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity uh, to share your Word. Thank you that we even have your Word, that we can read it, that we can study it, and we can know what it says. Well, what a privilege that is. Um, So Lord, I just pray that you would speak to hearts, that you would change lives, and that it would be all of you and none of me. In Jesus' name, amen. If you've been with us the last few weeks, Pastor Otis has been talking about stewardship in the kingdom. And he's talked about stewarding your gifts. That we have a, a responsibility to be a good steward of the gifts that God has given us. And also, last week, he talked about stewarding those opportunities to speak into people's lives and to share the gospel and uh, today, I'm going to be talking about stewardship in your home. We're going to go to stewardship in your home. Because I want the gifts of God to be functioning in my home, not just in this building. It's great and exciting to come to a church building where God is moving, but I want more than just see God move within these four walls. I want to see God move in my home. Amen. Amen. I want to see the gifts active in my home. I want to steward the opportunities that I have in my home. It's more than just what happens in these four walls. Your home is a big deal. So this morning, I've entitled this, Is Your House an Embassy for the King of Heaven? Is your house an embassy for the King of Heaven? It's very simple. It's what my pastor always called a peanut butter and jelly message. It's a very simple message, but I think if you apply what is talked here today, it can change how your home looks and feels. So as we get into this, what is an embassy? Since I used the word in my title, if you looked it up in a dictionary, you would see that an embassy is the official residence or offices of an ambassador. So it's where the ambassador would live and have his office on foreign soil. Well, 
let's describe what an ambassador is. I know some of you know this, but just bear with me. An ambassador is an accredited diplomat sent by a country as its official representative to a foreign country. So an ambassador represents the U.S. in foreign lands, as an example. And Paul called himself an ambassador of Christ in 2 Corinthians 5. He said, we are ambassadors And his goal, Paul was saying, was to implore and plead with people to be reconciled to God. Paul said we are ambassadors. Jesus called us to be that salt and light into this world. And if you are a follower of Jesus, you are called to represent him to this world. You are called to be his ambassador. You are called to be Jesus with skin on to everyone around you. You're called to do that. It's not just the job of whoever's on this stage. It's your call. It's what Jesus needs you to do and wants you to do. Because you may be the only Jesus someone might see and how you represent him. We are to represent the King of Kings to the world. We are his ambassadors. Now, have you ever met that Christian that after you got to spend time with them a little bit, you, were, you walked away going, I don't know what Jesus he's serving, but I wouldn't want to serve that Jesus. Have you met those Christians? That after you're just like, man, his Jesus is angry. <laughs> and if you're going, no, I don't know a Christian like that, it could be you. Shoe fits. Because normally it's the guy that doesn't realize it. You know, it's him. But I want to be the type of person that when people are around me, they go, I want that Jesus. We're the ambassadors. We're supposed to represent Jesus. And if we are ambassadors, then that means where we live is his embassy. We are just aliens passing through. We are not of this world, and our allegiance is first to the king of heaven. Where we live is his embassy. An embassy is pretty unique and serves several functions within the foreign land. They help people get visas. Or if you're like out of the country and you're in trouble, you want to get to the embassy if you need help. Right? It's the embassy will help you out. When an ambassador is chosen to go represent their country, that person is committed to the service of that country. They are committed to representing us well on foreign soil. They try to keep relationships good between us and the other country they are working with. That's what an ambassador does. They're keeping things good and keeping relationships good. And whenever someone steps onto the embassy, they leave the country they are in and enter a new country. That's the unique thing about an embassy. 
When you step into an embassy, no matter where you're at, if you're in Jerusalem, now that we have a U.S. embassy there, when you step onto the U.S. embassy, you leave Israel and you enter the U.S. That's what an embassy is. Or if you're in China, you leave China and you step into the U.S. when you step in onto embassy soil. And they are governed and, and ruled by the laws of the U.S., they're not under the foreign country's laws. Once you step onto that, the government changes. And if you go to a U.S. embassy, it looks and feels like if you went to the U.S. So no matter what country, and if you step onto a U.S. embassy, everyone's going to speak English. Now, they may have translators, but they're going to speak English. There's going to be U.S. flags. You're going to feel like Hey, I'm in the U.S. Even though right outside the door, you might be in China. Right? They keep the characteristics and the feel of the country they represent. So that tells me when people step into our house, there should be a different feeling. Because we don't represent the U.S. We represent the King of Heaven. And when people step onto our soil, they should feel like, I just left the U.S. and I stepped into the kingdom of God. Amen. So we're going to look at some aspects of what does a home look like that is an embassy of the king of heaven. And if you're a follower of Christ, then you are an ambassador for Christ. And if an ambassador, then that means your home is the embassy for the king. And this should change how our home feels and runs. And how we steward the gifts of God and the presence of God in our home will change how our home looks and feels. How we treat and steward those gifts and, and the presence of God will change the way our home looks and feels. It should be different. Our home should be different. When people step into our home, I want them to encounter Christ. I want them to realize there is something different here. The atmosphere is different here. Amen? So the first thing that you need to understand if, as an embassy, your house has to be committed to the king. Your house has to be committed to the king. It needs to be a singular focus to the king of kings. Your loyalties has to be surrendered to the king. Right? That's your first choice. In Joshua 24, 15, it says this. If it is disagreeable in your sight to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves today whom you will serve. Whether the gods which your father served, which were beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I don't know about you, but I grew up in a house that had that on a plaque. Some old, many of you probably have it. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. This verse is the last chapter of Joshua. That means Israel has been through a lot of stuff at, to this point. 
I mean, 400 years of slavery. They were in Egypt. They just got delivered out of Egypt. They spent 40 years in the wilderness. A generation died off. They, they started taking the promised land. They were in battles and wars. They've been through a lot of stuff. And Joshua's kind of like recapping everything for them, letting them know where they came from. And then near the end of his recap, he lays out a choice. You can serve the Lord or you can serve other gods. But here's the reality. Your house has to serve somebody. You're either going to serve the king or you're going to serve a counterfeit king. But you will serve somebody. Your house will serve somebody. In our country, we can choose all sorts of gods. There's all sorts of religions we could choose from if we so desired. Or we could just make it up as we go. We can just make whatever God fits in our little theological box that we decide agrees with our feelings. And we can just make up a God of our choosing and stick them into a box. But I tell you what, if it's a God that can fit in some little box, it's probably not the God of the Bible. My God can't fit in some little box. And once I think I got him figured out, he blows it out and I go, I have no idea. His ways are a little higher than mine and his thoughts are a little higher than mine. But we can, we can cram God into a box and make a God of our choosing if we so desired. Or we can just choose one of the plethoras of religions that are out there. Or we could just maybe go with whatever the culture of the day is saying. But if you choose any of those paths, you will be serving somebody. It just won't be the Lord. But your house has to serve somebody. Sometimes we just choose materialism. We got to have the greatest and, and the best of this and this, and we accumulate all this stuff. We got to keep up with the Joneses down the road, right? We don't want our neighbors thinking something bad of us, so we just we put that before the King of Kings, and, and it's the money and the, and the stuff. But I'm telling you, you can't take stuff with you. No one has a U-Haul on the way to the funeral. Reminds me of a story of, a, of this old guy who was about to die, and he told his wife, I want you to bury me with all my money. And the wife said, okay. And after the funeral, the pastor approached her and knew, knew about this request and was like, did you really bury him with all of his money? She said, I sure did. I wrote him a check. If he can catch it, that's fine. <laughs> For that individual, he was consumed with the money and the stuff. That was his king. You can choose to serve who you want today. But I like Joshua's bold statement and commitment. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. 
Joshua has an undivided focus and commitment to serving the king of kings. We can't be divided in our loyalties if we are going to have a home that is an embassy of the king of heaven. We have to be loyal ambassadors for the kingdom. Your house will serve somebody. Choose today who you're going to serve. That's for me and my house. It's the Lord. The second thing is your house has to be under the rule of the king's word. If he's actually going to be your king, you have to be under his rule. And his word has to be the, what governs and rules the house. In Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And these words which I commanded you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes, and you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. In other words, the Word of God should be something that is continually focused on in your house. It's not just something that's mentioned once in a great while. It's something that is mentioned all the time. It's part of the culture of your house. When things arise, it's not, well, what's the greatest wisdom of today? It's not, what's the word say about that? What are the principles of the Bible? As an embassy for the king, the word of God should be something that is taught to your kids. It says diligently teach it to your kids. And if you have kids in Calvary Kids... They give out this little half sheet like once a month that goes with what's going on that month. And if you go, I don't know where to start, start there. It's not an end all, but it's a good start. If you're not teaching your kids at home the word, start there. When things come up, the word of God should be our go-to for wisdom. When your teenager's having questions, our go-to should not be Google. Google should not be our go-to. Now, if you need to fix your toilet, go to Google. It's all right. If you need to learn how to hang some siding, go to Google. It helps. But if you need some real truthful answers for your teenager and your kids because of the questions they have coming home from school... Go to the Word of God and give them the truth. The Word of God is the one that's going to help them and guide them through life. Teach them how to get answers themselves. When your kids are having problems, take them to the Word of God to see what the king has to say about it. When people come over, let them hear the Word of God in your house. Even if it's as simple as this, 
Maybe you have a friend that came over and they're pouring out their heart. And you have no idea what to tell them. It's okay to say, I don't know. But I know this much. The Bible says I can cast all my cares upon him because he cares for us. Let's do that. I don't have any good answers for you, but I do have this. Let's cast our cares upon him. Let's pray about it. It's okay if you don't have the answers. It's okay to say, I don't know. It's even okay if it's, I don't know, but I'll find out. I'll get back to you. Just don't make up something that sounds good. Let's find out what the king actually says about stuff. Right? The word of the king is the rule of the house. Let's be diligently in teaching our kids, talking to them about it on the road, in the home, as we lay down, as we ride up, rise up. In our house, we do devotions every night. We've been doing devotions since Zach was in our arms. Even though we knew, he probably didn't hear a lick of what we were saying. We were holding him in our arms. But we would read the Bible to him, even at that age. And we started out with just reading Bible stories, letting him get familiar with all the different cool stories of the Bible, right? Now we read a devotional that has a passage of Scripture and it lays out kind of a principle. But there's going to come a day when I know my kids are going to have some serious questions. And they're going to need some real answers. And that devotional time may be just finding real answers. What does the Bible have to say about these things? Your teenagers need real answers. They don't need a cliche. They don't need some kind of a blow-over word. They actually need some real answers to some real questions that they're facing at their schools. And they need to learn how to find it in the Bible. They need, they need you as parents to teach them these things. They need real answers from relationships to sexual morality. They need the real answers because they're in a confusing time. Let the word of God be king. Let it be what rules and governs your house and your go-to for wisdom. Your house has to be under the rule of the king's word. Just like the U.S. Embassy is under the rule and the government and the governing laws of the United States. We too have to be governed by the laws of our king. When people step into your house, the government changes because it's under the king of heaven now. And that's what's governing his word. The third thing is, is your house has to have the characteristics of the kingdom. It has to have the characteristics of the kingdom. When people walk into your house, they should sense this is not like everyone else's house. How cool would it be 
if when people walked into your home, they felt like they just stepped off U.S. soil and into the kingdom of heaven. They realized we just left our country and stepped on to something different. In Romans 14, 17, it says, For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Those are some of the characteristics of the kingdom. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. What if this is what characterized your house? It's more than just a place we, get, we sleep and eat but it is filled with the righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Righteousness is that right behavior within the community of believers. It's that right behavior between each other. And Lord knows I'm praying for my kids. Well, they just treat each other right. Amen. If you got brothers and sisters that fight, I'm all the time, just treat each other right. Let's have some righteousness happening in the house. Pray that'll happen to my kids too. Peace, that harmony and mutual support of one another. Man, there is nothing like having peace in your home. If your home is filled with strife, pray for some peace in the Holy Spirit. Because, man, it, that's the thing. When, when you're totally stressed out and the world's been bombarding you, man, it's so nice to be able to step in your house and go, because ah, there's peace in the home. And men, I know we all have our chair. It's nice to be able to go to your chair and just go, ah, you know it's true. Every man, every man has a chair. It's their spot. They've carved it out of this planet just for that purpose. It's my chair to sit in. There's peace in my chair. And I believe with that righteousness and peace, there's going to be joy in your home expressed joy expressed and all this comes from our experience with the holy spirit now obviously there's way more to the holy spirit the holy spirit's in you you get not just righteousness peace and joy but you get all the fruit of the spirit love joy peace gentleness you fill in the rest there's nine of them. Those are the things that accompany the Holy Spirit. And if the Holy Spirit's in your home, those are the characteristics that should be portrayed and coming out of your house. When people can feel the love of God in your house. You know, your home should be a place where people can come and share and ask hard questions without any condemnation, without any like, really? But they, they generally just feel the love and the peace of God as you have a conversation. They feel that hospitality. 
they should have those characteristics of the kingdom of heaven. They should meet these things, that love, that joy, that peace, that righteousness, all in the Holy Spirit. They should be met with that as they step into your house. I want the presence of God in my home. I want people to see the working of the Holy Spirit. You know, the gifts of God is not just for these four walls. Your teenagers needs, needs a mom or dad that can hear a word of the Lord. They don't want it, but you need it, trust me. You need to be able to say, the Lord just dropped this in my heart. And you need to be able to see their face go flush white as they go, what? Yeah, the Holy Spirit's telling on you. And it's great to have the fear of God fall in them as, as you talk to them because the Holy Spirit's revealing things because the gifts are working in your house. I want the Holy Spirit to move in my home, not just in these four walls. It's great to come to a place where it is moving and we can hear of corporate testimonies of all the things God's doing, but I want Monday through Saturday God moving in my home where people are encountering Jesus in the home. Yes, a lot, most people get saved in a church, that's fine, but there is a percentage that don't get saved in a church. Why not your house? Why not your house? I want the presence of God in my home. How will they see who Jesus is by our love in our home? When they actually visit our home and realize, wow, the Bible says they will know us by our love, right? It needs to be more than just what they see here, they need to see it in your home. I don't know. Sounds like a pretty good place to live. Righteousness, love, peace, joy in the Holy Spirit. I want our home to be characterized by the characteristics of the kingdom of the King of Heaven. Amen? So is your house an embassy for the King of Heaven? It's a question you need to ask yourself. Is my house truly an embassy for the King of Heaven? Is your house committed to the King? Is your house under the rule of the King's Word? And does your house have the characteristics of the kingdom?